And welcome back. How are you feeling today? Maybe it feels like everything's just a little bit off. Well, it probably is. When we change from standard to daylight saving time, it takes the body time to adjust, even to a time change of just one hour. We're in the process of adjustment now after the weekend time adjustment. We've discussed it before on this program. Here's an excerpt from a show we aired in 2016 with Washington University professor Eric Herzog. He told me a lot can go wrong after the time change. There are now well-documented reports showing that following the spring forward, there's actually an increase in the frequency of car accidents for three days after Sunday. And uh, there's an increase in the risk of heart attacks. Um, that particular result has been repeated uh, since the original report in 2008, published in the New England Journal of Medicine. It's been reported at least five more times in independent data sets. Um, we also see a decrease in mood in people's performance on Monday. We see reduced sleep for several days, increased sleep fragmentation. We actually see increased school absences and more people reporting sick uh, for the days following the spring forward. What about the fall back? Do we have the same kind of things happening uh, at the other end of the year? That's where things get striking. Um, In fact, where most of the effects I just described will last for three to five days after the spring forward, in the fall back, yeah, things get better. But they only get better for one day. So the decrease in heart attacks, for example, only occurs on Monday, and then we're back to baseline heart attack rates. Well, what basically is going on? Well, we think what's happening is that this is related to our body's internal biological circadian clock, a clock that helps us anticipate the daily rise of the sun and fall of the sun. And this biological clock is normally synchronizing you to local time. So that if you live in St. Louis, you're synchronized to St. Louis or Central Time. And um, when you travel across time zones, you've experienced that uh, transition that takes several days to get you synchronized to a new time zone. For example, if you fly to Paris, something like eight hours time difference from St. Louis it'll take you as much as 8 to 14 days to live on uh, Paris time, completely getting a good night's sleep um, on the news schedule. With the spring forward, it's particularly tricky for two reasons. One is what we're doing is we're changing the time on the clock, but we're not changing when the sun rises. So we're asking our bodies to adjust to a completely artificial social construction, We're asking ourselves to wake up earlier with no help from anything in the environment. And it's really not clear how people ultimately do adjust to this new schedule. We set our alarms, we change our eating schedules, and we do our best to get sunlight at the right time so that we can somehow advance our schedule by an hour. It's hard to fathom, however, that uh, something like a a minor change, relatively minor change of one hour, would cause heart attacks, that that kind of physical disruption. Yeah, it is hard to imagine. I think for that reason, many people dismiss it. I think the the truth is that we are always living um, in a pretty challenging environment, and those folks who have heart attacks are probably already at risk for a heart attack, And, um, in fact, we know that there's a daily rhythm in the risk for heart attacks. The vast majority of heart attacks occur in the early morning hours, just before or just after waking up, which is probably, for our heart, 
the most stressful time from having gone uh, lying down for many hours to having to get up and move blood around and anticipate the demands of a workday. And so this additional uh, stress of having to shift your schedule um, seems to um, be enough to increase the risk for heart attack even beyond what we're already experiencing. Somewhere in my notes, I, I saw something indicating that people who are involved in shift work, constant shifting of the clock for them, that they're at uh, a, a greater risk for cancer. Some even have called that shifting a, a carcinogen. That's right. The World Health Organization lists shift work as a potential carcinogen based upon uh, for example, a large study of nurses working uh, shifting schedules, and um, there they found an increased correla- uh, risk correlation with breast cancer. Um, shift work is a pretty general term, and we always have to be careful about what we mean by that. There are lots of people who don't work a regular schedule. Um, so, for example, folks who might work uh, the day shift for two weeks, then the evening shift for two weeks, and then the night shift for two weeks. That's a standard shift work schedule. Um, and you might be shifting in one particular direction, like every two weeks you go earlier. That seems to be a schedule that's particularly hard for the human body to do. Advancing is harder than delaying for reasons that are still not clear. And that ties back to your original question, why is it harder to spring forward than to fall back? For reasons that are not totally clear, it's harder for humans to advance, to get up earlier, than it is for us to shift and uh, delay our schedule. So flying east is harder for most people than flying west when we're traveling across time zones. Going back to daylight saving time and uh, the risks that uh, come with it, is it worth it? Is daylight saving time worth it to have people go through this? It's a great question and a tough one. You know, the history of daylight savings time is interesting. It's, I think it started in the uh, early 1900s in Britain, and people actually credit uh, Benjamin Franklin uh, for having come up with the idea for, um, for having daylight saving time in the spring going forward. Um, and the goals were, um, as I understand it, were... Um, to save energy. They actually adopted it in Britain in part to try and lower energy costs because of the war, the World War I. Um, There was also the argument that it was going to help improve physical well-being, and they actually tied it to people will be less likely to go to the pub and drink in the evenings. And um, they would be more likely to go outside and get some exercise and and recreate um, in the afternoons while there was still light. And the the main reason that it was promoted at the time was that it was going to help the military train in the daylight hours. So somehow shifting our schedule to better match the light schedule outside made good sense at the time. Um, But in reality now, if you look around the world, there are 70 countries or so that observe daylight savings time. They're almost all in the higher latitudes because they experience longer days in the summer and shorter days in the winter. And so they're trying to somehow optimize our work schedule to the changing environment. Um, What's striking about this is it affects like 25% of the people on the planet. So a lot of people, billions of people. And yet, um, 
when you think about just take the state of Missouri for as an example, we're in central in the central time zone, but the people on the eastern edge of the state will experience the sun rising about an hour earlier than the people on the western edge of the state. So forcing us all to shift our schedule by one hour, artificially by shifting the clock on the wall, doesn't really solve the problem that the sun's going to rise an hour later on the western edge of the time zone. And so daylight saving time is an attempt to solve all these problems of saving energy, getting people outside, drinking less alcohol. But the evidence now is that it really doesn't do that because of the way we work and the way we actually deliver our energy now. It's, it's pretty clear that daylight savings time is, is not really solving the problems it's set out to solve. There is a move afoot now to put the entire world on a single time. Uh, right. So that's, um, in a sense, been tried in China, where um, they have a single time zone over, uh, you know, many thousands of miles uh, east to west. And um, you can imagine that that's a, a difficult thing for them to do. The people in the far east would experience the sun rising, let's say, at 8 a.m., and the people in the far west would see the sun rising many hours later. I think it's about eight hours um, from the furthest east to the furthest west for the sun to rise. So the sun would actually be rising at something like uh, 4 p.m. Uh, for the people in uh, western China. It works out there okay because there aren't that many people that live in western China. Um, but for the rest of the world, it would be pretty difficult. And the reason we've gone to time zones really dates back to um, when uh, trains were traveling across many time zones at much faster than people could travel before. And they realized it was more convenient to have the time zones adjusted as we traveled west to accommodate for um, the time it takes for the sun to travel, uh, to, to rise um, as we move west. Uh, Catherine emails, can you ask Dr. Herzog if using or taking melatonin is useful in helping adjust to time change? If so, do you have a suggestion for how to use this regarding timing and dosage and whether he knows how it affects children and teens? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so there's actually a lot of literature on the effects of melatonin on human sleep and human circadian rhythms. Um, and what's striking about it is that melatonin works on some people, but not all people. And this probably has, again, to do with differences um, between us. Um, so um, I caution anybody who uh, wants to do this um, that they're doing an experiment on themselves. Melatonin is available um, through the health food section in the grocery store. It's not a regulated product. We have uh, Lonnie emailing. Uh, ask your guests to elaborate on adjustment to shift work schedules. My personal work schedule requires me to move from day shift to night shift to evening shift every nine days. These are eight-hour shifts. Which rotation would be better in this case, days to nights or to evenings or days to evenings to nights? Ah, good. It's a good question, and it actually depends on uh, Lana's personal preference. So if Lana thinks that she's an early morning person, for example, on her free days, her, her weekend days when she's not working, um, that suggests that her clock actually prefers to advance, that is, go um, earlier. Um, if she's instead a late night person, she tends to want to stay up late and, and sleep in in the mornings. That suggests she's probably, like most of us, um, uh, more uh, comfortable with delaying our schedules. So a very small fraction of people will prefer to advance, 
and the vast majority will prefer to delay their schedules. So go from morning uh, shifts to afternoon shifts to evening shifts. Um, regardless, the most important thing we have to remember if we're on shift work is that um, the best thing for our body and for our long-term health is to really do our best to live on that schedule and not cheat on our free days. So it's very hard for shift workers when they're not working to, um, to continue to live on their shift. Um, instead, if you're an e on the evening shift and the weekend comes, you'll want to get up early with your family and have um, fun with your family. And that really does start to shift your clock back to another schedule that's not compatible with your shift, with your shift work. So many shift workers will complain of tiredness on the job. They'll uh, show signs of increased uh, body weight and even uh, be at risk for things like uh, diabetes and cancer, like you heard earlier. Some of us are affected more than others by all of this, I, I assume. Is that correct? And, and if that, so, why? That's right. Um, so the answer in, in its simplest form is uh, probably genetics. Um, your sleep schedule is in part determined by your mom and your dad. So I like to tell this to teenagers. Um, if your parents are complaining about your sleep schedule, you can remind them that you inherited the genes from them. And so it is uh, normal for, um, for us to have a schedule that's not that different than what we inherited from our parents. So some people are naturally um, uh, inclined to stay up later at night, um, and you can, you can know this about yourself if this is what you do when you're on vacation. And uh, some people are actually naturally shorter sleepers. So the amount of sleep and when you sleep are two separate things, and they seem to be regulated by different genetic processes. And so um, some people who sleep less can get by on less sleep, and they do better on shift work schedules. So uh, it's a tough question to answer in, in, um, in specific, but at least in part it's due to genetics. So there really are day people and night people. There really are day people and night people. Let me give you a specific example. There's a family in Utah that's been studied. They have a mutation in one gene. It's called the period 2 gene. And a single small mutation in that gene that just changes one amino acid in the protein that the gene makes causes these people to wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and go to sleep at 7 o'clock at night. If you take that same gene and put it into mice or into fruit flies, you again get an early bird mouse or an early bird fruit fly. Huh. I'll be darned. Well, in the time we have left, I very briefly want to have you mention teenage and sleep, uh, teenagers and sleep, because I know there's a move afoot now to have kids start school later because they're not getting enough sleep. That's right. Um, and I, I want to make sure that everybody's aware of the fact that um, sleep is a biological need and we can't really oversleep. We're, um, we're inclined to sleep until we've gotten what our body needs. And so teenagers, as many of us know, want to stay up later. They have a hard time going to bed at night um, when we tell them to go to bed. And then they want to sleep in in the morning. And that is actually the norm for uh, someone of their age. And so adolescents um, will tend to be late chronotypes. And so there's this movement afoot to acknowledge that and just shift the time when school starts. 
So have school hours be the same number of hours per day, but just start the school schedule later. And where that's been done um, in the United States and in other countries, they've seen improved test scores, improved attendance, and in fact, uh, happier teachers. Professor Eric Herzog on what happens when we spring forward or fall back. That's it for St. Louis on the Air for this Monday. We're back tomorrow. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.